Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this party started, shall we? You know the deal. John, 
publicity, Mr. McMahon's hand-picked protege, this body, these arms, this championship, it can't be touched. And you, it's 2022 and you're a grown-ass man wearing shorts. You know what? I'm going to catch you with it. Yeah. Let's look at this. What's up? What's good? What's good, world? So, you know, they say, <laughs> don't burn any bridges. Ah, oh, hell no. What was this? I had a little malfunction, folks. Sorry about that, you know. <laughs> it's a little bit on the funky side, on the YouTube side. But anyways, enough of that bullshit. Let's get right to the nitty-gritty. They say bridges... can be burned, but uh, you know what? I I think that I'm pretty sure that they also can be mended, so we're going to do a little something-something that hasn't been done in a while. From Death Valley, I give to you... No, not The Undertaker. Why not give to you Pizza Freaking Simpson? I have returned. I am back. Let's jump right into it, my friend. Oh yes, yes we shall, folks. We had a little malfunction with YouTube, but that's besides the point. Um, so let's get to first. You know, there's a lot going on in professional wrestling, folks. Too much to keep up with. But you know what? It's okay because we here at Wrestle Radio Network want to give you something to talk about, which is, you know, not what most do. So, <clears throat> so John Cena's back, and people have mixed emotions about that. Who gives a flying fart? Um, you know, dude, from the very first time he entered the building, you know, there's people shaking his hand and. He was just like giving him the slow clap, but let's dive into what Becky Lynch, who, you know, she's just sitting in the corner, not really looking like she was too thrilled to see John. And if we can talk about Miss Lynch for a minute, you know, she never, ever, from the moment she started her little, you know, the man stick, the man gimmick, she's never broken character. And I don't think she's changed since 2018 or 19 when that was implemented, I'm not sure. But I think I that get... was, uh, yeah, I think that was about 2018. Mm-hmm. She really hasn't changed. She has not changed. I mean, the fact that she's being booed is neither here nor there, but her reaction to Cena entering the arena, the camera panned over to her, and you see her in the corner like, yay, you're here, not really. Yeah, it was kind of funny to see that because it really just seemed like they lined up the entire WWE to kiss Cena's ass. And it was pretty funny to see Becky in the corner like, whoopee fucking dude, John Cena's here. So, yeah, kudos to her for sticking to it. Fuck John Cena. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, that, I, I thought that was really funny. 
I watched a clip of it, but, you know, I didn't cue it up. But I think that if we're really going to talk about staying in character and not, you know, staying true to who she is, Becky Lynch has always been one of those uh, wrestlers that she's going to stay true to form. I don't really have much to add, folks, because I'm, you know me, Miss Rambling McRamblerson, okay? If I talk in circles, my apologies, folks. But um, here's the deal. I think that it's great that not every single person on that roster, the limited roster, as I like to call it for WWE, because they don't have very many people, especially on Raw and SmackDown, for Becky to actually stick with the, yeah, you're here, who cares? <laughs> that, little, that little thing kind of makes me laugh, too, because it's like everyone went out of the way. When John Cena gets here, I'm pretty sure they were instructed, you know, when Cena gets here, you better shake his hand. Like, okay, cool. You do what you're told. Becky Lynch is like, I'll give him an applause. It's going to be a slow, like, yay, whoop-dee-doo, bad guy villain applause. It's like, you're here. Now, can we please get on with the show? Let's, let's you know, let's just do our thing. He does his thing and whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, very, very funny. Um I really like the interaction between Theory and John Cena. Holy shit. I think that was funny when Cena at the end of the whole thing just walked away. It was organic. I think that was the most... uh, Yes, it was... Yeah, all the WWE stuff doesn't seem natural. It feels forced. But that moment, he's like, you didn't do this. Yeah, it's like, you didn't do that. It's like, well... I can tell someone wrote this bullshit, but, you know, uh, I think it's great that Austin Theory stepped up to the plate and was like, I'll interact with John, cool. Outside of Street Profits and everyone else that had their written line for Cena, this one was, I did this when I was this age, and you didn't do shit. And not quite in those words, but you you get the deal, folks, right? I mean... Why not have somebody that oh. once was cocky? He was a cocky son of a bitch, too. You know, John Cena, when he was that, well, take that back. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was just ruthlessly aggressive. <laughs> um, Theory looked great. Theory looked great um, with his promo uh, introducing himself to John and in perfect big dog fashion, Cena just. Whatever, and just walked away. He, Theory's ready, and if this is going to set up SummerSlam, I am very, 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 very for this. And I think this is going to have a great, interesting, a very, very great and interesting build. You can tell it's meant for SummerSlam, man, because, you know, how long has it been since John Cena's been in a title picture at all? How long has it been since he's. Well, let's see here. WrestleMania 35, 36, 37. John Cena has been part of the company for a while, off and on, in Hollywood lately. So for Austin Theory to step up to the plate and actually have the cojones to go up to Cena, even though it was fucking so obvious that someone wrote those lines, at least Austin Theory made it work. The presentation wasn't bad. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was definitely ready. It was definitely the... uh definitely going to be a nice, it's going to be a nice, 
build the SummerSlam, especially with that on the card. But I also think that, you know, since Cena's been out of the picture, you know how many people still talk about, oh, you remember when John Cena this, John Cena that? These are the same folks, I as a guilty party included, okay, that when Cena was gone, they were like, who's going to be next to challenge John Cena? Well, obviously, now we have the answer to that question, kind of, sort of, and we know it's going to happen <laughs> because Austin Theory just steps in there and is like, well, you may be John Cena, but I am me. I am Austin Theory. And we started spitting as I'm A-Town down. Like, okay, yeah, cheesy. It just makes you laugh and be like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Is he from Atlanta? <laughs> I guess so. The reference to A-Town down, I'm not for certain where Mr. Austin Theory is from. Okay, folks, I'm not familiar with wrestlers uh, whereabouts okay I'm I'm being honest okay but if you reference A-Town yeah he's got to be from somewhere in Georgia I'm not sure if it's Atlanta specifically let me actually okay folks time to do research because it sounds a, a bad journalism if we don't do our research here on Wrestle Radio Network so let me look that up real quick, y'all, okay? Sorry, we apologize. Okay. But, yes, while I'm looking it up, we're going to say the following. How long has it been since John Cena's had a heel actually step up to him and, and you know, get in his face and claim that they have been better than him and will always be better than him? It's been a while. It's been a while. Bray Wyatt was the last dude, uh, defunct employee that's no longer there, that challenged John Cena mentally. So now it's Austin Theory. I can't wait, dude. This is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be a good match, man. It's going to be really good. And then we we had a whole bunch of, um, 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 you know, um, sorry, we had a bunch of, Video packages from uh, a bunch of people congratulating John on 20 years in wrestling. Oh, yes. Kurt Angle is one of those people, folks. Um, he To say that John Cena's career, when it started out in 99, and then he got to WWE and on an episode of SmackDown, Kurt Angle had an open challenge. And John Cena stepped up to the plate and was like, he goes, what, you know, who are you? What are you about? And in the microphone and John Cena surprisingly, you know, slapped Kurt Angle and said ruthless aggression and gave Kurt Angle match of his life. Didn't win, but, you know, that actually helped propel John's career. And they reenacted it, I believe, on they reenacted it, Kurt Angle did, with his daughter, his nine-year-old oh, daughter. Yeah, that's actually really cute. I think that was really cool on Kurt's end to commemorate, you know, what happened. It was a momentous historical wrestling moment in history. Despite what people say, there's, oh, plenty of more moments in history that you could have chosen from. Well, dudes, come on. The one guy that was synonymous as a big name just came back, and now he's got people honoring him. I mean, you had Kurt Angle with that. 
whole stick on what happened 20 years ago with the ruthless aggression thing. And then surprisingly, guys, you know, people from AEW, this tells you how big John must have been because they had Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan, Big Show. They all made appearances on Raw. And I don't know yeah. the furthest. I don't know the furthest extent, partner. Maybe you could fill us in because I don't want to go on tangent about it. <laughs> uh, it was basically, you know, your normal, common, you know, congratulations, you're great, kind of, uh, you know what I mean, um, stuff. But it was just nice to see um, AEW guys on WWF television again. And that's a pretty big deal to some fans. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're on their show. Why are they on the B show? Like, some people on social media really lost their shit about that. They're like, well, well if so-and-so is there on the show, are they? No, dude. They're just giving respect to a dude who, despite what you think of him, and I, too, felt guilt, and you know, not guilt, but guilty. At the time, folks, yes, I... I want to say John Cena has accomplished several things. He has won more championships than you can think of. Tag team, world heavyweight, been in several main events, marqueed several WrestleManias. Um, whether you love the guy, whether you're a fan, not a fan, I'm going to be honest with you, not a fan. But without John Cena, there's a lot of guys that would have not main evented without John Cena. There's a lot of guys that wouldn't have stories to tell. So, Big Show, Daniel Bryan, and let's see who else. Oh, yes, Trish Jericho. They had, you know, nothing but nice things to say about John Cena. So, you know, and this might shock some of you. He may not have made an appearance on Raw for obvious reasons, but... If you look in retrospect, CM Punk had nothing but nice things to say about his matches with Cena. There, There's going to be negative things that come about him. There's going to be positive things that come about John Cena's career. But for those three to appear on the opposition's programming, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of impact that John Cena had on you know, wrestlers that are no longer wrestling with him because they know what kind of wrestler he is. They know what kind of things he brings to the table match-wise. You know, yeah, he's basic. But um, before I go on a fucking long, rambling, bullshit tangent, here's what I'm going to say, guys, to wrap this up before we start talking about whatever he fucking podcast has been talking about recently John Cena wow 20 years he's been off and on with the company and you know what for somebody to last that long in the company outside of Hulk Hogan he gets compared to Hogan a lot but there's subtle differences between him and Hogan one of those is John Cena didn't mind getting busted up or bruised or you know Gigging at a time when gigging was allowed before the PG era. So yeah, this this man took a bump through a fucking spotlight with Big Show. This man also took a lot of shit in Elimination Chamber. So 
yeah, I didn't care for Cena, to be honest. I wasn't a big fan of his, like, over overly fan. But you respect the man. You appreciate what he did for the business uh, of professional wrestling because why? Um, his name gets mentioned no matter what. <laughs> if you grew up with him, didn't grow up with him, hated him, dis- disagreed with some of the decisions that were made based off of him being in the company, the bottom line is, that man, um, he helped, you know, propel some pretty decent feuds. And uh, sure, the last tidbits of his career were, you know, not the greatest. You know, the squash with the Undertaker. Um, if we're getting into specifics, the the weird match, the cinematic match with Bray Wyatt. Um, but other, you know, outside of that, he helped a lot of dudes and get careers on the map. And some dudes would be like, well. I could tell you a whole different story. Sure, you could. If your names are Ryback and, um, well, I don't know who else, but we're uh, not going to mention Riley. Alex Riley, yes. We're not going to mention all the negatives, but one thing's for sure the impact that John Cena had on professional wrestling is he made a name for himself, he won several championships, and to bring it home, He's in the same subject or topical discussion as maybe not so much as The Rock or Hogan, but he's up there. He's definitely up there. I mean, you could definitely put him up there with Hulk Hogan. I mean, I mean, he doesn't have a bunch of horrible, you know, skeletons in his closet. And, you know, Hulk Hogan does, man. Yeah, if you guys have ever watched Dark Side of the Ring or read the stories before Dark Side, that's a whole different show for a whole different day. But to wrap up, John Cena, folks, we're gonna we're at Russell Radio Network. We're gonna try something new, so um, we're gonna take a breather just for about twenty seconds before we transition into our next subject. Y'all already know the deal, all right? So please bear with us right here on Wrestle Radio Network as we play this moment in in wrestling history. Stand by. You know, that's not as bad as the um the clip where he before we jump into the next subject, folks. Sid had not the greatest promos. I'm the ruler of the world is not as bad as. Can I have a do over? No, we're live. <laughs> like, yeah, what a classic moment. He really, uh, really bubbled that one. Dude, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash's reaction were like, seriously, brother? You're making your job way too easy. But that, you know, that little segue, folks, gives us enough time to discuss what everyone in journalistic world of podcasting has been discussing. And yes, I know a lot of people react to this as if the world is ending and, oh my God, WWE, what a blunder. No, the fuck it isn't. And I agree 
with some of the wrestlers on social media. It's like, why is signing Logan Paul, the guy who, you know, kind of has like MMA background? It's kind of like, well, it's kind of like the equivalent of Ronda Rousey. No, the fuck it isn't. Yes, he's a name. Yeah, WWE has the quality of signing big cinematic names. I'll give you a hint as to who they've signed before these two. Just for guest appearances, WWE has had people like Nicole uh, Rodriguez or AKA Snooki. Um, they had Maria Menudos, an ET announcer, wrestle before on live at uh, WrestleManias. They've had Lawrence Taylor. Um, signings that names people would be like, no way, wrestling had them. Yeah, at one point, guys, wrestle, the very first WrestleMania, they had Muhammad Ali, the Rockettes, and Liberace, and Cindy Lauper. And, and that, you know, for that time period was a big deal. So Logan Paul, for those saying that this signing was a waste, OMG, you guys forget that they can't just leave the chapter of The Miz and him alone because these two were a pair and then the Miz turned on him at WrestleMania 38 for whatever fucking reason. God, you know, I can't understand some of the stuff that WWE does in certain instances, but signing him back to the fucking main point. In my opinion, partner, I believe that signing him was not, I don't care. They're going to sign a name. They need somebody. For variety purposes. Who on their roster is going to pop outside of Bobby Lashley? Uh, Let's see who else. Almost AJ Styles, Edge. I can list all the names. But this is a big deal because ESPN covered it. Forbes, Sports Kita, The Whole Shamil, CBS Sports. Everybody, USA Today. It got headlined on Google. It was one of the advertisements. That's how big of a deal this signing was. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. WWE, you know, you know what that is? That's everybody forgetting that their uh, mystic man is under investigation. Now you're talking about Logan Paul. I love it. I think it's a brilliant move because what were we talking about before this? You know, and we're we're trying to about sex and keeping it under uh, under the rug and paying three million dollars for it. Mm-hmm. So what does this signing essentially do? It takes the heat off the old man temporarily, but then there'll be the fans that'll say, "Oh no, we remember what." This Man, it is if you fuckers are any kind of perfect, man. All I'm saying is Logan Paul signing for those oh, that are going. Yeah, because the certain people are losing their shit. I'm just sitting here like, okay, cool. We've got Rousey, and now we've got Logan Paul. This is hella cool because on the one hand, you have people that boo Ronda Rousey out of the building. You have people that cheer her ass now, and now you got Logan Paul. So is it going to be the same effect? He's going to get booed no matter what role you put his ass in? I don't give a fuck. The man signed a multi-year deal. It's from 2020 to 2023. We haven't specified his salary. Who gives a shit? As long as the man 
is putting asses in seats because you're the same ones. We are the same ones, right? That's it. And you're like, oh my God, we can't believe we signed this asshole. Really? So how many people, if he wasn't signed, how many pe- people would be in line to say, well, now I got signed by WWE. So it'd be, you know, what's the difference between some Joe Schmo that looks like a high school yearbook wannabe, you know, coming into NXT versus Logan Paul? It's a name, folks. It's a name. Yeah. <laughs> um, he definitely had a pretty spectacular match, all things considering, at WrestleMania. And, um, man, it's, I, it, it, it's a huge. I think it's people to their core to where some of my friends who love wrestling were statusing about, you know, OMG like ugh and like okay. But these are also some of the same folks who are also saying is he gonna be Roman in a shoot? Who gives a fuck? Let's see what the guy can do. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't terrible folks. Sure. He had minimal amount of Signed, bro. He wasn't signed for his athletic background. He, Thank he, got you. he got signed because he has a following, and him being there definitely just gets eyes on this product just like that. Yeah, because if ESPN covers you and all the major sports companies like Logan Paul, the dude knocks somebody out. And, like, it yeah, was. Yeah, or his brother. Otis Cole with Floyd Mayweather. He lasted all like eight rounds or whatever in like a exhibition fight. That's his claim. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I mixed up the brothers, but I'm just saying, folks, on the real. If you really... Well, yeah, they're both really talented at what they do. By people hating on them, you can hate people because... I all because their attitudes, but their skill set is probably why WWE is like, well, we can work with him, we can train him, blah, blah, blah. The kind of attitude that you go into being into involving yourself um, it, with somebody that – or involving your hatred is geared towards the wrong thing, man. So mad about for the wrong reasons. I'm not saying you can't all be mad, but remember way back when, when – Shayna Baszler came around, Jasmine Duke, Marina Shafir, not comparing those three, but remember when WWE started implementing MMA and all these different backgrounds in NXT? Did any of you all say anything about that then? No. But all of a sudden when Logan Paul or Ronda Rousey comes about, I can understand the gripes about Rousey and I can understand the gripes about Logan Paul. But honestly, guys, the whole shtick is if he's a name and you guys are talking about him, then guess what? WWE just did their fucking Houdini act of you're buzzing about him. You're talking about him. You're stuck. His stock is completely up. It's a, it's a win. It's a win whether you like to admit it or not. Yes, he's going to get booed the very first time he picks up a microphone. Yes, he's going to get – you know he gets the opportunities, folks, according to this report – He's supposed to be working house shows. He's supposed to be getting his feet wet. You know why? Because not just going to sit on his ass and not wrestle. 
I mean, that's not part of the deal. What house shows is he going to show up? Who knows? But the bottom line for this whole stick with Logan Paul is that, wow, how many of you went out of your way to say, oh, no, what have they done? But, oh, no, oh, you didn't know? Your post got a bunch of hella reaction. The same. That's all I'm going to say. So that, in a sense, folks, yeah, feels good to get that out, man, because if they signed, okay, let's say the So you know what I bet that is? That's probably going to be, honestly, what I think that'll probably be a few Raws, maybe like a couple SmackDowns. He'll do SummerSlam. He'll probably do the Royal Rumble. And he'll probably have a match with The Miz at WrestleMania. That's it. Sounds good to me, folks. I mean, look, he's only going to be there for you. You know how quick the years go by. Because days go by so fast, right? Is Logan Paul really going to be there for a long-term deal? No. Y'all acting like he's signing a five-year, $11, $12 million contract. Although I'm not giving Hunter and Stephanie any ideas, although not that they listen to some random Joe Schmo podcast or care about any opinions that come out of the woodwork on Twitter or um, – Facebook or whatever personal blog comes out because, you know, Mark and I had a conversation. Mark didn't like the movie that I took him to see. And you know what? I told him, screw him anyways. The movie was great for me. Sorry, I'm using a reference point that Triple H, you know, at one point said on Raw because fans will always complain no matter what you throw at them. We, we, I'll admit, I complain. I'm a complainer. All right. We all are. (laughs) But, in this instance, come on, man. You can't not express, but at the same time, it's like you getting mad over somebody signing a deal for a year, one year. So with that being said, we're going to move on from this nonsensical bullshit of Logan Paul getting signed to WB because why, folks? I, that's what we do here, all right? Money in the bank. Wow, that's a... This coming Saturday, holy freaking freaking shit! So I don't know how I feel about, I don't know how I feel about WWE special live events or whatever they're called now being on Saturdays. Doesn't it feel uh, weird and off Sunday? It feel better on Sunday because people are some people are off of work, some people work, but they can catch it. After the fact, the fact that their shit's on Saturday, okay, WrestleMania's two nights, Royal Rumble is thankfully one night. If they go to two nights on Rumble, that, that'd be cool, because you can go to night one or night two and they'd make more money. Again, sorry if I'm projecting ideas out to WWE, but here's the point. <clears throat> Back on track, folks. Money in the Bank is going to emanate from Las Vegas. They originally wanted to do it in Allegiant Stadium, but... Why, when, if it's not Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, or WrestleMania, or Survivor Series, why? Why? I, mean, I get it. 
until they pulled certain some people from it we're not going to discuss. But anyways, there's Money in the Bank ladder matches for both the men's and women's, but we're going to start right off the bat. So the men's ladder match includes Seth Rollins, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, Omo, Sami Zayn, and Riddle, and the last man. So, okay, so... Rollins won his spot by beating AJ Styles. I'm not going to go into detail of who won who. Oh, Zayn defeated Nakamura. That's cool. I didn't see that coming. So, partner, I got to ask you, who do you think is going to be the favorite to win the men's ladder match for Money in the Bank? Could it be Riddle? Could it be Rollins? Who do you, who do you think is going to come out on top? You know, personally, I think, like, I would like for it to be Matt Riddle because I think he really has just been delivering in just all these matches. With and with Raw being depleted right now, he's really stepped up into just this nice little main event role. So personally, I think Riddle's gonna win. But like Debbie, knowing WWE, I think it's gonna be going by WWE logic. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is kind of just kind of had a shitty or just kind of a sneaky little dirty trajectory he's been on. So I could kind of see him squeaking it out. So I'm going to take Riddle and Seth Rollins. <laughs> I, it's very, uh, all these talented dudes involved. You know, what I, mean? you know I think the wild card for me, because they're not ever going to give Sami Zayn any props to. They're definitely not. Um, Riddle and Rollins, mm, Sheamus, <laughs> the one Royal Rumble, where it's like, oh, Sheamus is going to win. He eliminates Jericho, and everyone's banging their head on the wall and cussing up the storm. Sheamus is my wild card. I'm going to pick Riddle, though, because it's been so long where they've been pushing him as a tag team champion. And my reasoning behind this is the dude, he can work. He can, He's one of those lackadaisical, oh, yeah, that guy can't fucking possibly win a match. Look at him. He looks like he's blown up, and he looks like he's, you know, completely out of it. And then Riddle pulls one out of his ass and suplexes the dude from the middle rope. Or then he, you know, he does some really cool sentons or really cool flippy, flippy shit. So... Rollins, I think, I don't know. You can't ever count him out either, but whoo-wee, it's hard. It's hard. I've got three possibles, Riddle, Sheamus, or Rollins. If Sami Zayn wins this match, I'll be, my, my job will drop to the floor and might need a crank to pull it back up. Just saying. Okay. Moving past that match, we have the women's qualifying, or the women's not qualifying, but women's ladder match. Wow. Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Oscar, Shotzi, Becky Lynch. So, holy cow. The list of names on this list, man, that's a pretty stacked freaking match right there. Yeah, man, that's pretty much like every... Uh... That's like the uh, major lady wrestler that they have right now, and I what I predict for that match is I think Shotzi Blackheart is probably going to take a wild bump and probably look like she broke her back or something like that. And I think um, 
personally, I think Becky Lynch is going to win. It's, it's WWE, and WWE is kind of safe in that way where you could kind of forget what the fuck they're going to do. Are we going to see Becky versus Bianca again? Are we going to get another triple threat for, you know, the possible setup for not Survivor Series, but, you know, I (laughs) – Becky Lynch versus Bianca is not a bad choice. Um, If somehow Asuka finds her way into the mix again, I'm not opposed to another triple threat because you never know. They could be uh, one for two or two for two in that aspect. But um, Shotzi Blackheart, you're correct. That girl is absolutely batshit insane with her skills in the wrestling ring. She's not afraid to take risk. Not afraid to get hurt. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm super excited to see this one because you've got the ground and pound and Lacey Evans. You've got the crazy psychotic Alexa Bliss. God love her. And then on top of that, you've got Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan. My goodness. You're right. These are all the top women wrestlers in their company right now. And who can give uh, Bianca Belair or Ronda Rousey a run for their money? Pence. So I'm excited. And uh, let's see here. Okay, this next match, uh, boy, I don't know. I don't know whether to be pleasantly disappointed or pleasantly surprised. Not really. So Bianca Belair is now facing Carmelo, who is like a stand-in because Rhea Ripley got injured. And yeah, that she got like a freaking concussion, man. I hope she gets well soon because fucking brain injury is gonna work. We're not selling Carmella short, but honestly, I'm, okay. I don't know. Melo's the money. pull it out. Money in the bank. Um. I'm not selling her short, guys, but I, I, you can hear the angst in my voice, and I'll tell you why. Carmella's enhancements should be, if there's interference, then yes, I can believe that victory. But if it's a clean victory for a fucking heel, as much as Carmella is, I'm sorry. Her believability as a wrestler, without enhancements like James Ellsworth, or without enhancements like, um, God almighty. Okay. Andrade's former um, Lena Vega. There you go. Lena Vega, sorry. Without her interfering, I really don't see Carmella pulling it off as a solo because she's done so well. You know, I'm not saying she's terrible, but I'm just saying without certain enhancements with her character, she really falls flat. And for her to be the replacement for Rhea really stinks. That sucks. That's unfortunate. We're not going to spend too much time on this match because we know Bianca Belair is the favorite to win. Carmella might pull it out and shock the world if she does. Again, you might have my jaw drop on the floor and be like, okay, cool. WWE is going obviously a different direction. But I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, oh, boy. Natalia versus Ronda Rousey. Um <laughs> oh um, my god, the uh, the build for this has been hilarious because they've been just talking shit to each other on Twitter. 
So, Natalia, dear, I know that you helped train the, the female wrestlers, and you helped uh, put them in certain directions, and you really are a mentor and all that. But sorry, not sorry for saying this. If your match ends in 26 seconds, I'm going to laugh my ass off and bury my face in the fucking pillow. Here's why. Natalia is a great wrestler. She's very technically sound. She's very good at telling other wrestlers what to do, what not to do. But as far as a draw, no, that match is going to be a – might be a surprise. I'm not sure. I want to be as positive as I can with this one, but I'm going to say Ronda Rousey is going to beat her ass. Just saying. Yeah. She's she's just going to beat her down and be like, okay, broke another person's uh, arm. Goodbye. See you. Type thing. So that matches for me. Just be like, whatever. Um, Okay. The Undisputed Tag Team Championship, the Usos versus the Street Profits. Hmm. Oh, that's oh. a nice little, nice little win for the Usos. <laughs> because they're not going to take the belts off the the group that's associated with the head of the table. Because it'd be embarrassing if you lose to a team that you whoop their ass on multiple occasions. So, what's the stick? Okay, you're going to lose to them, and then they're going to have a dusty finish or something. I have a feeling because. <laughs> You got to make it interesting. You can't just go straight and have a great bunch of false finishes and all this shit and then decide, oh, yeah, the Usos are going, you know, to win clean. No, sir. Mm-mm. They better have something cooked up for that match because I'm going to say these two are very talented tag teams. Yes, the Usos are going to win, but it, make it a match, please. That's all I'm asking. Um <laughs> Yo, I think that'll be a pretty solid match. I think that'll be pretty yeah. fun. But, you know, they'll definitely have the, uh, you know, stereo dives and the freaking awesome Montez Ford moments. I love tag team wrestling, so I'm by no means shitting on this match, but it's definitely not going to be a uh, another tag title win. Sadly. Yep, they're not going to win the titles like they did before because, you know, the certain settings and times. But moving on, folks, this dude's really coming into his own to be in a match at WrestleMania with uh, Pat McAfee and then have uh, the backing event. So Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Um, Wow, this is a tough one for me because on the one hand, you got Bobby Lashley who keeps, you know, first defying the odds and, and overcoming the obstacles. But at the other hand, you have Austin Theory, who's very wily and very, you know, very not sketchy, but he's got something up his sleeve. So I'm gonna pick uh I'm gonna pick Austin Theory to retain. Or if John Cena interferes and costs Theory the match, that's another theory that's going around, no pun intended. Um, I think I that, bro. I think what else? They'll have a nice little. They'll have a nice match, and I think maybe Theory will, you know, give him a, one of those good old fashioned uh, kick to the balls or a uh, nice punch to the balls, and 
and he'll hit his finish. I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be anything too major, you know. I think they'll put on a good match. I mean, that's actually a decent match. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Okay, so the return match. Okay, because this makes sense. They've, they've feuded these two not long enough. Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. <laughs> A.K.A. Elias. But I love it because he's fucking... It's actually... It makes me smile because... They play it up so much to the point where you believe just not even the slightest. But it's funny as shit. Ezekiel, Elias, Elog, whatever the fuck he goes by. It's so fucking bad and funny at the same time. But anyways, back to the match. I I can see since Kevin Owens won the last time, unless they let him go over again that Ezekiel's going to win this one because Elias will come on the Tron, piss Kevin Owens off, roll up one, two, three. That's just my thoughts on that one. Yeah, bro. I don't think that's going to be, um, I don't think there's going to be much other than that. So, let's see what else. Okay, so, they're, like, according to CBS Sports, they they're predicting certain people to win these matches, and they kind of said the same things that we did. Uh, not entirely. It's better worded, you know, and a lot less cussing. So they believe that Bianca Belair is going to retain. My thoughts exactly. They also believe the Usos will retain. We're not going to go through their results, folks. That's not what we do here on this show. But uh, I'm going to... we Okay. Fast forwarding this stuff. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. So from WWE, that ends the WWE discussion for now. Um, Speaking of former, you know, commentators have been around a while. Jim Ross, of course, gets criticized and critiqued for everything that, you know, is said wrong on the air. But in his defense, folks, he's been involved in wrestling since 1974. He's 70 years old. If he slips the wrong name, forgive him. At his age of 70 years old, he can't recall certain things, and he gets caught up in the moment. He gets excited. For God's sakes, he's known as the voice of wrestling. Outside of Tony Schiavone, who, you know, sometimes will say wrong things at the wrong times, does he get criticized? As much as Jim Ross? No. But um, he did. Okay, so the whole deal spiel was he, on air, JR said the wrong name a couple of times on AEW programming. So what? He's known as uh, Claudio Cesaro. Because JR at once upon a time before AEW helped recruit some of these people. And Claudio was one of them or Cesaro was one of them. So saying the wrong name, folks, is not necessarily the end of the world. And we all make mistakes. He just happened to make his on my bear. I'm going to leave it at um, if, you know, if we make a mistake on our podcast, don't we cover it up with some bullshit too? Let everyone make <laughs> mistakes. You know what I mean? So without further ado, folks, this is a this is a Union of sorts. I know some people may or may not be listening to us, but uh, this is this is the point in the show where we're gonna try a little. 
Well, we're going to reintroduce a certain slice of heaven? No. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the time in the show where we like to give a little disclaimer as well. So the following content presented on this pro wrestling podcast, Wrestle Radio Network, slice of pizza belongs to Pizza Simpson. You do not have permission to use, copy, reproduce the content from all episodes recorded and shared on social media. All content is protected by U.S. and international copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without permission from the owner is strictly prohibited and can be punishable by law. Failure to comply will result in legal action taken. All rights reserved. Slice of Pizza, Wrestle Radio Network, and Off the Rails Uncensored Incorporated 2022. So, my friend, let me see if I can cue this up. I forgive me. All right, folks. So, allow me. Enjoy this because, you know, it's going to be a bomb diggity show. All right? Give me one second, folks. Let's cue this up. DJ, can we please cue his music? All right. Pizza, take it away, sir. Okay, thank you, thank you for the warm welcome, and I am very, very happy to be back. I want to get into a couple of things. First thing I want to talk about is, um, obviously, you know I love independent wrestling, and I watch a lot of it, and I really want to just touch on somebody right now, uh, AC Mack, out of the Georgia area who's really just putting on for the South and just having just killer, killer, killer matches. And he's been on an absolute tear after he defeated Alex Shelley for the IWTV championship. The IWTV championship has really came out of nowhere and has really just made a lot of noise. If you're, if you listen after defeating after defeating Alex Shelley for that IWTV title, he went on to have um, excellent victories over Masha Slamovich, Slade, Marcus Mathers, um, Cole Radrick, another one who's having it real, having a fucking tear. So shout out to AC Mack out of the South. He's really putting it on, putting on, putting on for the South, and it's. And it's um, I wanted to note that he's gay. So it, and it's so it's kind of cool to see a gay wrestler kicking ass right now, and who who really is getting away from the stereotypes. You know what I mean? I think it's cool because let's see, Adrian Adonis, Goldust, or Dustin's not gay, but they gave him weird ass gimmick with Goldust. Um, I don't know. There's a few other gay gimmicks that I can't really think of off the top of my head, but uh, 
Yeah, at least someone's yeah. doing good for the LGBTQ community. So, mad props to you, dude. Yeah. Killing it right now. He's really putting on for the for the South. Action Pro out of Georgia is really killing it. Southern Honor out of um, I don't know where that is off the top of my head, but I know that's a thing. Um, really, just really, really great, man. Some great stuff coming out of the South. But uh, some not so great news coming out of the South. <laughs> so Ian Rotten's IWA Miss South has seen some troubles again, and this all came out when their champion, their heavyweight champion, and their light heavyweight champion Jake Chris went on Twitter and gave the Rotten family an ultimatum: "You need to pay me." or I'm going to burn your title. And this is no freaking angle. So later so later that day there was a video a video surface and Jake burned said titles. So after this came out after this came out a bunch of wrestlers showed their support for Jake and pulled out for the upcoming King of the Deathmatch tournament. Now, this is where it gets tricky. Um, are you keep, you keep it up with me, brother? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Just wanted to do an audio check. Um, so this is where it gets uh, this is gets where it gets a little sketchy. Now, mind you, I just told you that uh, uh, this guy hasn't been paid. Well, the King of the Deathmatches were right around the corner, and the pre-sale came out strangely early. So it was supposed to be Queen of the, King and Queen of the Death match, and it was going to be four shows, and um, so that was going to be a ton of money, and I was planning on going for everything that I was going to want to see that weekend in Chicago, Illinois. It was going to cost me $150. Now, mm. now, you purchase. You don't purchase your tickets through a reputable place. You send your money to some person's PayPal account. That sounds pretty fucking sketchy. Am I right? Now, now, now this now 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 the, there's been this pre-sale and a bunch of people's already paid. So now a bunch of people are going to have to freaking fight and get this money, get this refund back. This is where this now it gets now it gets a little bit more fucked up. Misty Rotten, Ian's Ian's wife went on the air and went on Twitter and was saying things like, "Oh, forgive Ian. He didn't do anything wrong, and this is all my fault. And I thought I could pull this off, and yada yada yada." And it sounded like a bunch of bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So so. So the next day, some 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 pictures, some screenshots turn up, and it's from it's from the person who uh, Misty Rotten was renting the ring for the IWA shows, and she's saying, "Oh, honey, I'm gonna text you this money. I'm sorry, in line," and was taking pictures of herself in the line at the Kroger. Well, some 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 uh, sharp wrestling fans. Took those took those photos and Google searched them and found that they were just stock footage. So this all was just a big bunch of bullshit. 
And so IWA Mid-South has closed shop yet again. You know, maybe it's just time to... Maybe it's just time to just tuck your tail in, you know, in between your legs and just call it a career. Because, unfortunately, this is really shitty. And how do you come back from this? There's been so many times where there's been so many times where Ian has upped and closed shop and he's come back. And this is just, this is just a disgrace at this point. So... So, so one of the performers <laughs> so happened to be ICW No Holds Barred head promoter Danny Damato, who pulled a, which is just incredible. He he uh, announced on Instagram, "Give me give me a few hours. I'm gonna make something happen." And in place of King of the Deathmatch, IWA No Hold Bard is going to be running a two-show super show in place of the Deathmatch tournament. Wow, what a what a little uh, what a little um, interesting little run for the uh, Deathmatch community, I must say. I'll just I'm. Whoops. I'm just going to say it nicely about Ian Rotten. Nude has not a good reputation. I'm not going to mention names of who I've spoken with about him, but to not pay your champion, to not even pay refund for the people, to not, to not come on social media and say, hey, I'm an asshole. I apologize. Dude, if you're working a show and there's several people working in a death a deathmatch style of pro wrestling, I mean, it doesn't matter what form of wrestling it is. You got to be, you have to have your principles about you. Because if you are a bad promoter or have bad advertisement or bad rapport with the locker room, period, they're not going to want to do your fucking shows, period. Bro, he's so, not paying him. That's that's, that's bullshit. It. He he is just like the gives like the wrestling business a bad rap because is making his reputation out to be worse than what people have been saying about him in years past. And so for those that have good things to say about him, what good things? Because now it's been completely condensed into this image of Ian Rotten of being the guy that is not honorable, does not pay. Workers that bust their ass for him, dude. PayPal, that's oh my god. What that's just saying? Oh, well, I got your money and now I'm not giving it back. That's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. So that's gonna wrap up a slice of pizza. Pizza. That's just a little, little, little nugget there, buddy. Uh, yeah, man. That's a slice of pizza there, pal. That was that was pretty insightful, actually. Learn some, you learn new things every day, folks. Uh, especially when pizza goes over stuff that I'm not apt to or you know acclimated to or familiar with. So it's very informative. Thank you, sir. Um, and we will have an episode next time on next week's edition of Russell Radio Network. For more information, you can contact Pizza Simpson on Instagram. 
And for more information about Wrestle Radio Network, folks, you can go to Wrestle underscore radio on Instagram at underscore Brian Rails on Twitter for more information regarding Wrestle Radio Network and the affiliated shows associated with Wrestle Radio Network. All right, so moving forward, we got some <laughs> some loose ends to tie up, actually. So um, Jeff Hardy. Let's just touch base with Jeff Hardy for a minute, shall we? Um, pretty sad. Uh, it's a, you know, it's not sad that he's going into rehabilitation. Um, he made the decision on his own, thank God, because he had a bit, you know. I think didn't you tell me, partner, that at, it was at a con where he said whiskey is not my best friend. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this was the precursor before he entered into rehabilitation, folks. Like, I'm not going to play the clip from TMZ again because the state trooper that pulled him over was super cool about it. They didn't abuse him or hit him with nightsticks. But there were several calls on I-95 about a gentleman swerving off and on the road. And he's like, do you have any idea how fast you were going? No, sir. Do you have any idea what date is? And Jeff was able to tell him the date. Do you have any idea, you know, um, that people were calling us in because you were swerving all over the road? When Jeff gets better, he better find that state trooper and thank him for saving his life because that's that's hard, dude. Like, he's, he failed the sobriety check, obviously. But the main thing is, folks... That he's seeking help for his problem. You know, you can't just get over addiction in one night. And for him to take the step to go to rehabilitation is amazing, dude. And we love Jeff. We, as wrestling fans, we, you know, Jeff Hardy is a name that you can't, you know, surpass. You know, it's like... Going to deny his accolades of tag team, you know, tag team championships, the Intercontinental Championship, the Impact. You know, he's an Impact, and not only that, but outside of wrestling, guys, he's a super sweet dude. And so, from all of us to you, man, we wish you nothing but the best, and just take it one day at a time. And you know the fucking stick, man. You're a great dude, and. Please, though, consider retirement, man, because you you put your body through so much shit, and we all know how addictive wrestling can be, but from certain fans, you know, I know certain fans, oh, he has one more match in him. No, (laughs) Jeff, you know, you'd be, I don't know if you'd be happier or whatnot, but I'm sure your body would appreciate it if you consider, you know, consider the idea of possible retirement, because... If you go back into it, who knows what else can happen to you, man. You're in great shape. You're a great wrestler. Um, there's nothing negative I can say other than, you know, just do the best you can. We're not perfect. So um, that's all I can say on Jeff. And uh, he's been, you know, he made the necessary step to go to rehab. And that's pretty hard for some people to do, man. Some people don't want to yeah. seek help. Yeah, bro. It's kind of 
it's kind of like he just really, this is at his last, this is it. He needs to do this. And these last few matches in AEW, he was fucking killing himself. Jesus, I think he had the concession from the last, that last thing he did with the uh, Hardy Boys. I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, I was going to say the Lee Boys. I didn't want this too much, Jim Cornette. The Young Bucks, that last match with the Young Bucks was pretty, was pretty nuts. It's just, and to see, go ahead. Um, I think that, you know, Joe just wants to keep up and... It's like you're saying, um, his match with the Young Bucks, his matches uh, just recently in AEW made him look like, wow, dude, take it a little bit slower, doing great, but you don't want to injure yourself to the point where you can't walk anymore. Right, right, because his brain's too fucked up. Yep. (laughs) It's just yeah, man. It's just so it's, it's just to get get his ass in freaking rehab and get his shit together, so he's not just completely destroyed. If you do get your shit together, brother, can you please do us a favor? If you're gonna go out with a match, if you're not gonna go, please do not. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I that's a lie, Ric Flair. Is one you know one thing, but don't stay in it so long to the point where you get. Well, I have to come back. I have to come back. We get it. Come back in any form of capacity and help the young talent out. Do whatever you want, man. It's your life. But don't sit there and pull a Ric Flair and be like, I'm going to wrestle at the age of 82. Rick 73. But you get the point. We love you. Get better. You know, Team Extreme all the way. So, um, that's that, folks. That's the wrap on Jeff Hardy. Now, let's see what else I had on tap to discuss with you all tonight here on Hustle Radio Network. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> Before I completely come unhinged and out of my metaphorical critical cage of being nar- not narcissist, but a cynical son of a bitch... AEW's uh, New Japan's Forbidden Door, dear Lord, where where to begin? That pay-per-view partner, I know you said you wa- only watched the main event between Tanahashi and Moxley, so I want to get your take on that particular match of the night. You know, I um, I really, really, really was interested in that match. First off, I wanted to see Hiroshi Tanahashi just have that big main event, you know. I um, Okada, Oka, Okada got the main event Madison Square Garden, which is you know the mecca. So that's incredible. So I kind of think it's only right for the Ace of the Universe to close out the show, which was which was even though I'm I'm not the greatest, I'm not the biggest AEW fan, if something's good, I like it. If it's something bad, I'm not gonna I'm gonna call it out. And this I was I really wasn't thinking that John Moxley was gonna be up to the task and be able to keep up with him. Hiroshi Tanahashi's just incredible and it's just 
capable of capable of just that next level match. I don't know I don't know how to say it. There's 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 like that there's some guys like John are always gonna have that same match and it's always gonna be the same level. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's it's never gonna be better than that last one. You know? And when wrote when Tanahashi came out, the in all his fucking splendor, that that it was it, it was just everything, man. To me, it was just everything that fucking wrestling's supposed to be. You know, the legend, the fucking goat. Just kind of like, kind of like, kind of like. I hate to compare it. It's like Randy the Ram. You know, you know what I mean. That's um, so. So um, yeah, the match was absolutely fucking incredible. But I hate the way it was. I hate that with the angle that it was right at the end with the Jericho Society running in. Yeah, Jericho running in kind of is like. So what was the point of having this wonderful thing, and then you're gonna run interference to run another angle between Jericho and Moxley? Really? Um, they had no point to it. It kind of ruined a. Well, not sacred main event, but it ruined a great match. There was no point for a run in interference spot, but I guess you, you want to put all your eggs in one basket, Mr. Khan. But not taking a shot at you, brother. It's just you've got to be able to place that spot better. It could have waited till dynamite. Jericho could have stood on the ramp and just looked at him and pointed. And Moxley, you know, he's got a bad temper, so he's going to after him so let's run the interference spot anyways but anyways dude yeah I agree with you that match was really it was one of the few quote unquote actual wrestling matches and I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on off the rails uncensored but I'm glad that you you know you and I both agree that that match actually told it told a story it started from beginning to end and yes it was it was brutal i mean that match wasn't any you know particular chain wrestling you know stereotypical new japan style wrestling match no it was fairly fucking decent yeah it was stiff and i really liked seeing tanahashi climb those ropes even though it took an hour because he's uh you know one too many skyfly flows but when he hit that motherfucker, it's like watching a fucking eagle take off. You know what I mean? With that beautiful, sexy mane, hair, that gorgeous lion mane of a hairdo. You know, just floating in the fucking wind. I'm Italian. You know, I, you know, John Travolta, the whole fucking thing, man. I love a big poof. I respect <laughs> that. <laughs> but That's um, pretty cool. you know. All jokes aside, that was absolutely a, a, just a fantastic match. I, I really, it was probably the match of the year for me. And, man, it was everything. I guess they had to run that angle at the end, though, because Blood and Guts was was the next show, so they had to do something. But I'll let you talk more show because you watched more of it than I did. Well, this is a shocker, folks, because I am, I'm going to admit something that I don't like, and well, I don't care. I've been labeled by more than one person as the WWE guy, but I, that, I am, I am, 
And uh, I have mm-hmm. no shame in admitting that because I will explain to you in the slightest bit of words. And I'm going to read the disclaimer again this time for moi. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, bear with us, folks. The following content presented on this pro wrestling podcast, Wrestle Radio Network profile, belongs to the owner, Brian Rails. Off the Rails Uncensored is a trademark title and phrase. You do not have permission to use, copy, reproduce the content from all episodes recorded and shared on social media. All content is protected by U.S. and international copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without permission from the owner is strictly prohibited and can be punishable by law. Failure to comply will will result in legal action taken. All rights reserved. Slice of Pizza, Off the Rails Uncensored, and Beyond the Tracks. And Wrestle Radio Network Incorporated 2022. All right, folks. You know, back to the nitty-gritty. It's been a while since we've had a dual show done, and I've got plenty of time. So uh, I'd like to speak in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Maestro, if you could, please. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. That's a little bit old school, don't you think? How about give us some new school flavor, right, folks? was on the okay, I will go the length of saying the matches that caught my attention you know okay Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay Tanahashi versus Moxley FTR versus Ramiro and Trent Beretta and let's see Jeff Cobb and Khan those three matches Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm no thank you uh, let's see here and that's fine, T.J. Simpson. And thank you for being on my show. So, <clears throat> see you, buddy. See you, dude. And thank you for being on the show tonight. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you. Thank you. Peace, bro. Well, peace. Thank you, sir. All right. So, as I was saying, I'm not going to spend time going in order of the matches. I'm just going to, you know, Say that AEW's uh, bring this a little closer. AEW New Japan Forbidden Door. 
the first match was completely chaotic. Um, Aubrey Edwards lost control of that match. It was all over the place. What do you expect? So, Wheeler Yuta. Let's see here. Minoru Suzuki. So, Minoru Suzuki, Sammy Guevara, and Chris Jericho. It was a trios match, and it was Wheeler Yuta, Shota Onomo, and Eddie Kingston. Honestly, guys, it was hard to keep up with this match. I have ADHD. I had a lot of things going on with me mentally. And to keep focused on this match, it was a chore. It really – the crowd was all into it because it was nothing but a waterfall full of fucking spot fest. That's what it was. And when it ended, thank God, because let's see here. The tag team match for becoming the undisputed tag team champions – uh, FTR ended up being victorious Again that wasn't terrible um, Let's see here FTR becomes the new tag team champions We're ROH and uh, Well They won They won and became The unified tag team champions So then Shivani was interviewing Juice Robinson And whomever else and The first ever All at Atlantic champion is the bastard pack. Again, that match was chaotic. There was very little wrestling involved. It was so fast-paced. You know, Clark Connors had to participate because certain someone got injured. Again, man, why do I lie so much? I didn't say I was going to go in order, and here I am going in order. Because you kind of have to. Okay. The trios tag team match. Oh, boy. Another one. The Young Bucks and Phantasmo with Halecchio versus Sting. Let's see here. Okay. Sting, Darby, Allen, and... Hmm. Chino. Let's see here. Okay, so then there's advertisements for them returning to Queens and Arthur Ashe Stadium where there was over 20,000 people and they made wrestling history. Okay, who cares? Thunder Roses versus Tony Storm. I'm not going to spend time on that one. Osprey versus Orange Cassidy. The hype video. Love every single minute of that hype video. Loved every single minute of that match. The fact that Orange Cassidy was able to get inside the head of Will Ospreay. And this is for the IWGP United States Championship. I loved every single minute of that match. So the crowd in Chicago was all, you know, for every match. But for me, this is probably one of my favorite matches of the night. Not so much Tanahashi and Moxley. It was a good match, but it wasn't my favorite. My favorite match of the night for AEW by far. Simply because, again, this match told a story. It was actually a quote-unquote wrestling match, meaning there was actual wrestling involved. There was not waterfall spot, you know, spot fest here, flippy flip shit there, dive here, dive there, dive everywhere. It was a match. Okay. Even though Will Ospreay retained... 
and he had, you know, two goons on the outside, the Aussie, whatever they call themselves, they interfered just a little bit, not, you know, not to the point where it would cause Orange Cassidy in that. Anyways, I digress. So the surprise of the evening, despite there being a fatal four-way for another New Japan Championship, which didn't change hands, but that's besides the point. So... It, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. came out and said, I'm not going, you know, I believe Brian Danielson is just faking injury so that he can find somebody. I don't care who my mystery opponent is. I'm going to beat their ass, too. I flew from Japan for this nonsense. To say that this match wasn't good is a lie either. It wasn't my favorite, but it was still pretty damn decent. Also, my God. Okay, so the two British wrestlers out of the three that were actually four that were there did a really damn good job considering that they're so used to wrestling in Japan. They've wrestled stateside before, my man. For those of you messaging me on Instagram, thank you. The main event, World Heavyweight, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship was not the main event, so... Adam Cole versus Hangman Page, Okada and Jay White. Oh, there was some interference. You know, Jay White didn't come out alone. Um, that match wasn't terrible, but again, it was too flippy flippy for me. Then you had Moxley versus Tanahashi as your main event, your true main event. And I'm not, I wasn't. As vested in that match, I mean, I'm pretty sure that partner in crime thought, oh, you know, Tanahashi and and Moxley, match of the year. I think it was a great match. I don't think it was match of the year candidate. I think that Orange Cassidy-Will Ospreay match was by far one of the most entertaining matches I've seen. But overall, folks, my overall assessment of AEW's New Japan Forbidden Door... It wasn't great. It was just one of those things where it's hard to keep up with a match that has so much shit going on. And if you want specifics, the very first match with Jericho, Kingston, and their respective partners from New Japan. If I and others, you know, can sit there and say, well, this is a quality match... I'm not saying Minoru Suzuki was absolutely terrible. Sorry, folks, for moving the mic. But um, matches like that are hard to keep up with. There were some funny moments like Minoru Suzuki was like, oh, you want me to do a dive too? He just stayed in there and just beat the crap out of whomever was in his way. And yes, Chris Jericho's team ended up getting the victory, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. So, the Judas effect on Unimo gets him the victory, right? Unimo put up a pretty good fight. He even tried the walls of Jericho on Jericho. But what I'm getting at is some of the matches from that particular card, like Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa, Looked like a great match on paper. Wondering, though, if Tony Storm got hurt. 
because the quality of that match I'm not going to focus on. Like I said, I really don't want to spend too much time focusing on one one bad match. Just I'm not going to do it. Overall, it wasn't a bad pay-per-view. It just it left a lot of question marks from the beginning match. The women's title match wasn't, you know, the greatest. And the tag team match. That one, okay, the, the tag team match, Orange Cassidy uh, versus Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Claudio Castanoli. Probably my top three, if you ask me. You can't really, like I said, you can't really pinpoint what AEW is going to have a bad, you know, bad card. But at the same token, it's like trying to get through watching their show was kind of really a chore for me from a mental standpoint. You have all this shit going down, the referee's not paying a bit of damn attention course and they go over a spot they're like okay yeah i'm talking about bryce whatever his name is he was the referee in the match with will osprey and uh orange cassidy aew when it comes to matches produce great quality when it comes to actual match psychology is that what fans are wanting is non-stop no break this constant flippy, flippy shit. They say get a table, they get a table. They don't even, they don't even tease that shit to the point where the fans are gonna boo them. So it's like, uh, it was the fatal four way for the first eight, you know, all athletic championship or Atlantic championship, where uh, there was one spot where Malachi Black pulls out a table, and they're like, yay! It's like, come on that nonsense gotta tease them every once in a great while disappoint them every once in a great while do you want to disappoint them all around no because then nobody will come back to watch your shit but what I'm getting at is there's maybe three four quality good matches out of the nine ten that was booked let's see here one two three four five six Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There were eleven matches on that card on a four over a four hour span. That's the length of WrestleMania. There was it wasn't a terrible show, no sir. It wasn't a bad show. It's just there are tidbits of it that make you go, okay, maybe they can improve upon this next time around. That is, if there is, you know, going to be a next time where they decide, you know. This match looked great on paper. We're just going to put it in anyways. You know, it's going to fill time. That was the filler time match was Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. Can't really pin the blame on either Thunder or Tony. We don't know what the hell was going on. I don't know what the hell was going on in their match. All I know is that it ended quite abruptly, and I don't know why. I know that Thunder Rosa ended up hitting her finish. Not earlier, but she hit it and... God, see what it's made me do? It's made me talk in fucking circles like I normally do on fucking track. AEW, the first match is supposed to set the tone. 
Minoru Suzuki did a fantastic job. Um, my only gripe, actually, a few gripes about that match was, can you slow it down just a smidgen? Not grab entirely, give a rest hold or a fucking headlock, take over or hip toss. No, this isn't, you know, it's a completely different, separate company when it comes to different styles of wrestling. In Japan, they don't fuck around. They don't. And when they came stateside, they definitely put on the show. Anyways, so the first match, I even left note was like referee lost control, complete chaos, no idea who the legal man was during this trios match. Also, if there's no recollection of who the legal man was, how are you supposed to know if you're supposed to go down for a count as the referee, Miss Aubrey Edwards? Is it just my imagination, or do you know what you are doing at all? I mean, if you're a referee, yeah, you're supposed to stay the fuck out of the way, but also, we're not supposed to be reacting to the point where more of the attention is solely based off your reactions and how you... Are implementing yourself into the match. Like, okay. Referees are not supposed to be the focus of the match. Neither are managers. She didn't over-involve herself like she normally does, so I'll give her props for that. But during the match, you're supposed to keep control of who's coming in and out of the ring. Those guys were in the ring the whole time. There was no five counts, you know, administered. There's basically no rules in an AEW match is what it seems like. Even if New Japan was supposedly, you know, implementing their style of wrestling in that match with Jericho and Kingston and Wheeler Yuta and, okay, who else? Sorry, bumping into my own microphone. Okay, Minoru Suzuki and Shota Unamo, Shota Unamo. There has to be some form of order, at least in one of, in one of the matches. The women's title match had a semblance of structure. Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay definitely was the most entertaining match, in my opinion. Claudio Castanoli and Zack Sabre Jr., thank you guys for implementing wrestling. You know, okay, Sting, Darby Allen, their tag partner, that was great. You know, Sting... Reminding fans once upon a time what he used to do in WCW, coming down from the rafters. There were certain points in that match that made me go, wow, this is pretty badass. You know, Sting is 60-plus-year-old, still, you know, acting like a madman in his match. Taking clothesline and delivering one of his own and going down. That's pretty cool. Um, Like I said... It wasn't the worst of pay-per-views. There's just some things that, in my opinion, you can fix. You don't always have to go all out and crazy and give the fans nonstop river, waterfall spot, you know, DDT, then a you know standing German, and then after the standing German, a super kick, a double super kick, or all the stuff so that you want it to be boring. No, I... Build it up better. Don't just 
throw all your eggs in one basket with one fucking match and make it hard to watch the rest of the night. <clears throat> the first match, that one was a, yeah, that was a bitch, honestly, to get to. The second match, if I'm just writing notes here, it's like complete chaos. The set, you know, the tag team match, at least they knew who the legal man was. And the women's match, they attempted a match, <laughs> what you would call ending it abruptly because maybe a possible injury or what have you, but here's the thing. Structure-wise, AEW did decent some areas and some areas it's like where the, okay, what are we doing? Why is this match extended so long? And actually, why is it going by so quickly? I mean, you had four-hour time frame to fill, and here we are in the first match with Jericho, Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, Shoto Unamo, and whomever else. Oh, and Minoru Suzuki. From the first match to the main event, I wrote down, wow, what a clusterfuck the first match was. Second match picked up a little bit, and it was actually fucking fairly decent. So, chaos ensued. Fast-paced match. And it went straight to saying, Jericho Judas effect on Unimo. Again, you know, the All-Atlantic Championship match is basically, I wouldn't say a filler, but the fact that the crowd was hoping Miro was the pure favorite for that one, right? Who knew the bastard pack would actually win that one? That's the equivalent of the WWE Intercontinental Championship. But according to some, it has, you know, more meaning, quote unquote. Um another trios match, that's another thing. You kind of have to have a build-up before blood and guts, right? These trios matches are basically their way of saying, well, we've had a build between these gentlemen, so this is why these matches are taking place, because we don't have the Hardys anymore. So we're going to fill time with a trios match. Trios matches are great, except for one problem. Again, there's way too much going on. The referee loses all kinds of control. There's no order restored in the match. Do they even kick them out of the ring for five seconds, being over five seconds? Some of these matches would end if the rules were actually implemented in AEW is what I'm trying to say. There were no rules. It's basically guys going in and out of the ring at will. The fans absolutely ate it up in the United Center. What's wrong with no rules? In some instances, in certain like six-man tag matches, a trios match, you got to have rules. Guy can't be going in and out doing moves, and then crowds eating it up, and the referees just standing there like, okay, I guess I'll count. I guess I'll go down for a three count, even though. This guy is not the legal man. 
the announcers sounded like they were guessing most of the time who the legal man actually fucking was. I, are you sure he's the legal man, Shivani? Again, like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on the negative of their pay-per-view, but let's be brutally honest. It wasn't a terrible pay-per-view. It was an okay pay-per-view. For them to implement New Japan with their wrestling brand, that's a pretty big deal. For guys like Tanahashi and Okada to be a part of the show, that's also a pretty big deal. For guys like Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. to be listed on the card, that's also a pretty big deal too. But enough about the accolades. Let's talk about the real. Again, there are probably four matches out of that 11, you know, 11 match card that actually made me want to watch it again. All the way through. Not giving, you know, not giving a hint to the negativity that I saw on other matches. So, I guess I could say you're asking me what my favorite match was again. Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay. Because it actually told the story that Will Ospreay was the biggest dickbag in the whole wide world with his henchmen. And Orange Cassidy was just trying to get through the match and do what he does best. And that's piss people off by putting his hands in his pockets and drop kicking pitch using a clothesline without, you know, not clothesline, but implementing moves with his hands in his pockets. Which some people, that's the ultimate insult to wrestling. And I'd love just to beat his ass with his hands in his pockets. See, the fun part about Orange Cassidy matches, the crowd absolutely comes unglued and he just gives the small little kicks. That's something that caught on like wildfire, okay? I'm not a big fan of his, but his match with Osprey was pretty badass. Other matches? Okay, dude. We're going to... I'm going to wrap this up by saying AEW... What they managed to do with Tanahashi and Moxley, not bad. Kudos to you guys. We're not going to end this just yet, but sorely disappointed with Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm's match because I know Tony can put on better matches. Um, as far as the tag team match with Jeff Cobb, and then let's see here. Okay. Yeah, Jeff Cobb and Khan. And FTR. And Ricky Romero and Tramperetta. Again, that match was chaos too because they were... And they knew he was the legal man. It's like, we haven't known who the legal man was in the first like eight minutes of the fucking match. Are you kidding me? It wasn't a bad match. It's just confusing as all get out. It was confusing. Especially during the trios matches. Who are the legal men? Why didn't the referee take control? Aubrey Edwards, Bryce Evans. You guys are on the professional level, and you guys do an absolute horrible job of refereeing that match. You know, I don't want you to be positioned, blah, 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 for hard cam. Make sure that you're out of the way. They... 
you have to be in position as a referee. You have to be someone who is knowledgeable of the rules. But I guess whenever they have a pay-per-view or whatever event, whether it be Dynamite or Rampage, the referee just stands there, doesn't even, you know, when it gets to a 10 count, that's when the excitement comes up, I guess. When it, as far as, you know, having a guy get out of the ring when he's double teaming, okay, that one's understandable. But when there's four, actually six guys all in the ring at the same time, how are you supposed to handle that? What you know, what do you do in that situation when you know rules are is like you have to gain control, you have to gain order? How? I'll give you an example of the first match again. When it was Jericho and Kingston or Wheeler Yuta doing all his flippy flippy shit. Or when it was Sammy Guevara doing his flippy flippy shit. Who the fuck was the legal man during those instances? Do we even care? No, because the fans were eating up. As long as the fans are entertained, that's the main thing, correct? That is the main thing. The fans are entertained. They're out of their seats. They're not twiddling. Well, some of them are twiddling on their phones. I know I was. It wasn't the fact that it was uninteresting when Minoru Suzuki and Kingston, you know, squared off or when the fact when Jericho got upended and put in the walls by uh, Shota Unamo. It's just I'm I'm starting to question certain things like why is the first match that's supposed to set the tone, right? Why is your first match main event quality but your main event wasn't bad either. But, okay, that's not a fair comparison. Why is it your women's match? You're not, we don't have control over good quality, bad, but it's just like, what happened? You know, was somebody hurt? That's my only question is, was somebody hurt? Um, as far as your tag team match goes, I'm not going to gloss over this too much longer, me repeating myself in circles, but here's the deal. Not everything can be straight-up wrestling matches. That would be boring as shit. But in the same token, if everything's not wrestling matches and not meant to be boring, you got to have some structure in those matches. It doesn't have to be, well, we're going to go with a stereotypical lockup or, oh, we're going to brawl on the ramp to start off the match. What I'm getting at is, folks, the first match had no structure. It was a complete clusterfuck. The second match... It kind of followed suit, but it was better, and that was the tag team match. I know it was Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay. Phenomenal match. Good storytelling, good psychology, good placements, everything wonderful. But then you get the IWGP. Okay, so Shibata ended up coming in and saving Orange Cassidy. Forgot to mention that fact. That was pretty cool. And then... Claudio Castanelli versus Zack Sabre Jr. And then the main event. I honestly, guys, I'm just going to sit here and say this. Wow, what a roller coaster it was. Keep all hands and feet inside the ride at all times if you're watching an AEW pay-per-view because you never know... Who the hell is going to pop up? What the fuck's going to happen in the first few minutes of the night? 
The referee will not be in control of their match. It's complete and utter chaos. Some people are like, I love it. I think it's great. It's better than what we see on the other end. Oh, my. Wrestling is wrestling to me. As long as you fucking tell a story, I'm okay with it. It doesn't matter if you're NWA, New Japan, WWE, wherever. As long as you tell a story and it's within reason, it has some semblance of fucking wrestling match structure. It doesn't have to be chained. It doesn't have to be the Memphis spot. It doesn't have to be completely boring. But a guy, though, like two or more guys cannot be in the ring at the same fucking time. It's, it's not – it's hard for some of us to focus on who's the legal man. Not only who's the legal man, but okay, so if there's six men total in the ring, and shouldn't it have been a no contest? Oh, wait, they got to save that for dynamite. My bad. The no contests are just saved for that that uh, prog- type of programming, right? They're, they're only concerns that I have for the entire pay-per-view. If it's four hours long, don't you think people's going to get up and go to the t-shirt stand or, or the concession stand and they're not interested or invested in the match? There's no way in hell that the entire night was not interesting. It's just when four matches... In- my opinion, reserved for my opinion, um, yeah, it's one big clusterfuck, but it's also it wasn't terrible. So, how do I rate this pay per view from a scale from one to suck? Uh, it was okay, and apparently my microphone loves to fall over every. 20 30 minutes but we're gonna wrap this up folks with if you didn't like what good old brian rails or pizza simpson had to say then we got three choice words for you forget about it i know i went all over the place but i'm trying to let me center it before i get off the air so i can feel satisfied when i watch a wrestling pay-per-view if the first match is all over the place what am i to expect when it comes to the main event if your shit isn't, if you're trying to polish whatever needs to be polished, need to work on it, man. It's not not terrible, but it's not, oh, man, I want to watch this all over again type thing. So, didn't do too bad. Wow, that's shocking coming from the cynical bastard like myself. But, uh, toodles, bitches, I got to get some beauty rest. So, uh, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next Thursday. I'm going to do Beyond the Tracks this Saturday. So, uh, we'll see. All right? If not this Saturday, it's going to be Sunday. So, tune in around 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. All right? Toodles, bitches, for real this time. Good night. Thank you for listening to this madness. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand.